This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns Gordon. Now this time we've just released our biggest ever athletic clothing range. And this range is my favourite we've ever done. We've put so much time and effort into this to making sure it's just spot on. So we've gone for a nice clean golden black look across the whole range. We've got some specialist compression wear. So we've got compression rash guard, compression leggings, compression shorts. We've got a nice compression leggings and sports bra set for the women. And then we've also got some nice t-shirts that you can wear in and out of the gym. So we've got our bind room tee and a nice distressed look. We've got horns loading t-shirt. We've got oversized bind room t-shirt, which is probably my favorite item out of the whole range. See if you just go and check that out. It's really, really nice. And uh, we've got some women's only t-shirts. We've got some athletic shorts. We've got jogging pants. Honestly, we have hit everything with this range and we've put it all out there. So go over to the website, hornsvoting.com. Use the code HORNS10 to listen to the podcast, get a discount 10% of anything off the website. So that's not just the athletic wear. You get anything off of the horns, the mead, any other clothing, the jewelry, you name it. You're going to get 10% off. So just use the code HORNS10. Listen to the podcast, get that. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello, everybody. This time we're joined by VC Bloodaxe from Say the Bloat. He's a, both a musician and a instrument builder as well. So welcome to the show. Hello. I'm really glad to be here. I've been listening to your podcast many times. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be here talking to you both. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to to join us. Um, yeah, we've had this one booked in for, for a little while. Yeah, it has been booked for a while. Yeah. And yeah, let's have a chat and talk. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Let's um, see where we go. I'm in my my new little studio room. It's not quite finished just yet, but it's it's getting there. So I probably sound different again from last week for for the audio listeners. So um, yeah, just bear with us whilst we we change these things. Again, Mateus is going to be changing his setup over the next couple of weeks as well. So our voices may change a little bit, but hopefully for the for the better in the long run. So yeah, let's um, yeah let's talk about your music. You are, I guess, are you the the, the lead man? Is would you call that in say the blood? I I like to think that we all, well, I think we all three are quite equal in the band, mm-hmm. even if I'm more like the frontman would say. But <laughs> that's very gracious of you, because if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm the frontman. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does with the podcast. <laughs> no, no, it's my podcast. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's true it's fair <laughs> i need to i need to treat them well if not they leave me yeah no, exactly that, that, trust me that's what i'm doing with mateus <laughs> i'm nothing without him yeah it's, it's not easy to find quality people around <laughs> no absolutely not um yeah so do you do much on your own is it all a part of say the blood well i also play a lot myself and I have, as, as well as writing songs for Say the Blood, I also write songs for myself. 
that I want to release at some point. And I'm and I'm also a member of another two bands that we are not very active and they are metal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I'm always trying to be involved in music one or other way. Mm-hmm. There's that there's that link between metal and Nordic music again. I think we, we we touched on that for the last couple of weeks. It seems to be something that's very much amalgamated the, the two. Yeah, I don't really know why, but yeah, normally people who like metal like this kind of music. Sometimes that Nordic style music, whatever we want to call it, is like classified as metal too. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's, I guess it must be called Viking metal quite often. Uh, Viking metal, I think, is more is a distinct genre, but uh, but you definitely see like bands like Wardruna and Heilung, uh, they typically like end up in some kind of like metal category in in like magazines and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. I've seen that at least. So yeah, I can relate. For example, one of the festivals we played this summer, it was Blostock. What is a pure metal festival in the UK? So w- we were the only band who weren't metal, really. So <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I guess where else do you put? bands like you other than at a, a, a festival like something like Midgard's Block which is aimed at this type of music what else where else do you put yeah there, there are other other festivals around Europe that they are more focused on folk music mm-hmm. so that would be really our next step trying to join a few of those festivals it's in a in a way it's 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 also i guess belongs to that old classification of like world music right world music is is a genre of um traditional type music that has then been turned into pop music kind of sound yeah, yeah. and been been made available to everybody yeah but do um, you look do you look into world music and you find like traditional African music, South American or Asian. So it's a bit vague. Mm, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Do, I mean, do do world music festivals exist where it's, because I think that would be a, a brilliant thing to go to, where you get music from, like from Africa, from South America, from Scandinavia. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know one because I, me and, well, the band were approached before the COVID for going China to one of these festivals oh, wow. where they wanted to have music from all these styles. Let's call it like world music. And yeah, they were, well, it didn't happen in the end, but it was going to be a lot of artists in what you would say world music. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be, uh, would be a lot of fun. I don't think I could make the trip to China though. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a little bit far. I mean, now, yeah, it sounds like it would just be a, a really an amazing experience to see all this different music from uh, all over the world. Yeah, definitely. So, I guess, what have you guys been up to in the uh, in the last year? It it must have been a difficult one. Have you? Do you all live in the UK where you can still get together and? Yeah, we all live in the UK. We are 
pretty local. I mean, like one hour away from each other, mm -hmm. more or less one hour, one hour and a half. So we do rehearsals in person in my workshop. That is like workshop, rehearsal room, recording room, everything in one. And yeah, the COVID year has been like a year lost. Yeah. Do you find that you've got more time to to get together and play? Or I guess, I guess when it first started, you would have had to to all stay away from each other. But I'm thinking maybe if, if, if you had day jobs outside of the music, if you're on furlough, it frees up some some time to be able to maybe get in the in the studio and play together yes uh when i've been on furlough for a few months but those months were like the strict mm -hmm. lockdown so we couldn't meet anyway and then after i've been working in my day job so it really didn't make much difference mm -hmm. yeah the whole the whole um the whole situation is crazy. I don't know where it's going. I don't know where it ends. Um, yeah, but definitely has been like a year or more than a year lost. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely has. So, Busy, um, where I guess where do your inspirations come from for the music? This this whole scene and genre seems to have blown up, and we you know we spoke about it quite a few times on the podcast before with different artists. That you know, in the last five years, it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger exploded definitely mm. yeah yeah yeah. It's more bands more bands and everywhere you look on instagram or youtube you see new bands coming from nowhere where you didn't hear any from them before and then all of a sudden it's a music video but it's in a way it's great you know the more people interested in the music is better but I'm I'm worried the scene is going to be a bit oversaturated soon, and that wouldn't be great either, because I think when a genre of music reaches that point, keep it up there, normally goes downhill. Yeah, I mean, um, I I I'm a, I'm a bit more optimistic. I think I think there's still a long way to go before before you're going to see a, a collapse. Um, Hopefully, what also happens is that, you know, it spreads out to more audiences. And that's something I just saw Heilong here in um, uh, in uh, in Colorado at, at Red Rocks. And I noticed that the, um, the audience was quite diverse. There was like a lot of different types of people who seemed to be into this. So hopefully that's, you know, just going to develop even further. Yeah. That is something that I've noticed as well, because as we spoke before, these kind of bands are quite related to metal. So I think to begin with, the the audience is only metal, mm -hmm. at, you know, up to some point. And yeah, the more bands, the more you can reach to the general public, let's call it like that. So. Yeah, as you say, it's still a long way to go. The, the explosion of these bands is, yeah, as you say, only helps in like five years. Mm. Yes, it's still more years of growing for sure. And well, let's see what happens. Really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's always, there's always new people get involved in 
and this kind of um, and this stuff. And I think also you don't even have to be massively into Vikings or deep dive into like Nordic mythology to to go and see Heilung at a concert and, and enjoy it. It's I think it's an experience for as much as it is for somebody like me that's interested in this. But if I took a friend of mine that's not necessarily interested in this this world, they're still going to have as good a time, and it's still going to be an experience, something that they've never seen before, and it's it's entertaining in its own right. It's not, you know, it, it's kind of universal in in that fact. Yeah, definitely, and and also, is that's a good point because maybe that people that doesn't know a lot or probably nothing about. Uh, Nordic mythology, they probably can see it with completely different eyes or different ears for listening to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think I think it's gonna keep keep growing for a little bit. It yeah. Doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be slowing down anyway. Um, Pe- people that is into uh, like Viking culture and Nordic mythology, they expect something from this kind of bands because they have some reference points like they have Wardruna, they have Heilung and a few more bands but people that is coming from new they get like they don't expect you to sound like Wardruna or they don't expect you to sound like Heilung and they just get it raw from you yeah that's a good that's a good point I guess do you do you get that feeling of people will always compare you to Wardruna and Highland because then those two are, are unarguably the I guess the pinnacle of of this genre yeah. so you must always have that conscious or that thought in your mind that people will be comparing you and I guess aside from that you have to then try and separate yourself away from it yes yes uh, I mean uh, I I can't deny that Wardruna and Highland are big influence to me oh, of course because they are they both are great and uh, the the reason why i got interested in tackle harper many years ago is because i i've listened first wardruna's album i i still remember that exact moment where i was what i was doing that i put that album that a friend recommended me and say, oh, have you listened to what these two guys have done from Gorgoroth? And say, oh, let's give it a listen. So, yeah. It's- I, I, that's so funny. I, I just had a flashback to back when Hilo, uh, sorry, Wadruna hadn't really become a thing internationally at all. And I remember that they were just like some local Norwegian band that was playing in places in Denmark and, and elsewhere in Scandinavia. Yeah, exactly. I remember watching the first Wardruna videos of their gigs. They were mm-hmm. small, you know, like very uh, familiar, mm-hmm. very, very close to the public. And yeah, definitely the first time I'd listened to Tuggle Harper, I was thinking, what is this? Out of tune violin sounding here. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? This thing, but I couldn't stop listening to it. So yeah, that's that's a big influence to me. And um, yeah, I 
I've been told, we've been told, uh, oh yeah, that band sounds like Wardrunner. Of course, we we use a Tagal Harpa, they use a Tagal Harpa. That is a very characteristic sound. So it's going to sound like 100%, mm. you know. So what 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 do you do to 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 create sort of your your own sound and your own feeling? Um, because I mean, obviously, people are saying, "Oh, yeah, these bands sound alike," and so on. But 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 are there are there specific things that, where you try to like dis, to really make sure that people would be able to distinguish you? We do a lot of throat singing. Us three in the band. Uh, when we started. Uh, all, only me was doing throat singing, but the other two guys were Tom and John. They were joining, joining, joining until they they're good now doing throat singing. So we all can do throat singing. Um, vocal harmonies, and also one thing that we are trying to stick to is we only play on stage whatever we can play. So we don't use any backing track or anything mm -hmm. all you can listen in our gigs is what we're playing mm. uh, i'd like that and uh i think that's quite distinctive in this kind of music because mostly all the bands they use drones to delay in the background or recorded parts it's so funny i feel like you get like these two like polar opposites like you either have very low tech or very high tech kind yeah. of in, in, this, uh, in this genre yeah we try to play a gig like if we were playing around the bonfire mm -hmm. yeah no I, I i i do like that um because you can always kind of just especially live you can always distinguish the live instruments from the like i guess it's not an electronic backing track but, but what's not being played live um so it's definitely yeah I, i i like that you do that it is something that's a little bit different and just to go back to you, your point before about oh i can't remember if it was you that said Mateus about people will always compare the two and or it's, it, i guess with this with with a genre like this that, that there's not that many bands and people don't as have the, the most trained ear to it something that maybe they put on once every couple of weeks as part of whatever else they're listening to. Or if you get new people interested in this that haven't listened to that much of this kind of Nordic music, that until you train your ear, everything does sound very samey, no even if it's not. I, I, you know, I have friends who, I listen to quite a lot of hip hop like and British grime, that kind of stuff. And to, to people who don't listen to it, they just kind of go, what? It all sounds the same. I can't understand what they're saying. It's all exactly the same. But it's it's not until you, you know, you spend the time listening to it that you then gather an ear for it and then and understand the differences. You can hear the slight and subtle differences. So I think no matter what in, in this genre, anybody who does something like this, people automatically will go, oh, that just sounds like Wardruno. That sounds like Heilung. I, I don't think there's anything anybody can necessarily do to escape from that yeah yeah but well is is what it is really i mean in after playing blostock we got uh, a few reviews and all of them were really good 
but it was one review that said exactly that we copied one song from Wardruna, note by note. And it's like, uh, no, it's impossible. <laughs> but <laughs> mainly because we are in a different tuning, you know, and but it was a song that is all throat singing. So I get the people associated, but it doesn't look very good when... That's a pretty bad reviewer who would say that. Yeah, well, but they also say that, uh, how how they say, um, that we were from the not very Viking town of Reading. Oh. And... <laughs> And my fake Viking accent was part of my persona. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't want to like you from the start, did he? <laughs> sounds like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a, a shitty reviewer. You can't, you can't just say that. Especially if you don't know, know somebody. Or know that. But again, you know, Bloodstock is a metal festival. So I guess what they'll have done is it will be a metal reviewer who who doesn't have that ear for this kind of music and they will just go, okay, yes. they sound like Wadruna, it must just be a carbon copy when in fact, you know, there there are differences. Yeah, to be to be honest, we've been laughing a lot with that review. That's what you've <laughs> got to do. That's what we do on here. We don't take it, we don't take it as bad because it's obviously coming from someone who doesn't really know a lot about it, you know. I can take a bad review as as much as a good review because you learn from all of them. Yeah, especially a review a review like that where they quite clearly were just out to to be shitty from the, the offset. I guess it's it's much easier to dismiss than maybe someone who was really clued up and then picked picked everything apart bit by bit. That one might be a little bit harder to uh, to deal with because I'm I'm a sucker with reviews. And most of ours are people just, especially on the podcast, people are just calling us. Well, we either get called far right or liberal or extremely left. I don't know. We get called everything. Um, <laughs> so most of the time it's easy for us to just dismiss and be like, what? What are you on about? <laughs> well, I guess you, you have to yeah, pass on those things. Not, not giving a shit, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, can't, you can't dwell on them. You can just... Talk about them on the podcast and ridicule them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that was a, a funny review. Yeah, especially no. because I, I obviously have an accent, but I'm not faking it. This is my accent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that would be a commit. If it were, if you were faking it, it would be a commitment. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've you've committed to something there, and you've got to just go along with it. I, I I I couldn't do it if I tried to. Fit, I mean, I can just about do my own accent, let alone try and do another accent. I I would break my my Yorkshire accent would just come out within seconds. Well, you you can't avoid it. Is is your natural accent? You know. No, absolutely. Okay, so other than other than being in, in say the blood, you you make instruments. I mean. Where did that come from? Because you make some really, some really beautiful stuff. Um, I would love to own a piece and get a piece behind me in the in the new studio. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> no. So yeah, what, what point did you did you go down that route? Was it did you make the instruments first and then get into the music, or was it 
you did the music first and then you wanted an instrument. Because I know Vags, when we had Varg on from uh, Wollespa, he just made an made one because it was he needed one. He couldn't afford one. So he built it for himself and, and that was it. But you obviously sell them. It was the same way, really. Because I I wanted to start playing Tagal Harpa. And I couldn't find anything around. I didn't know if I could uh, play it, you know, and whatever I could see online, it was pricey because, yeah, these instruments are pricey. And probably someone that want to give a try don't want to spend a large amount of money on a good instrument. It's normal. So I made one and I made two. And people start asking me, where you got it from? Can you make one for me? Can you make one for me? And that's how it started, really. I, I understand that completely. I know exactly how that happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. I think it's always the best way to gain something. But I mean, how do you even know where to start building something like that? It, it, the first one. Yeah, like the, the first one I did. Because I, I like a lot learning by experimenting myself and doing things and learning of my errors. I saw a picture and I did something that was like that without any plans, without anything. Just, I obviously made many errors. And, well, I could tell you the kind of wood I've used, the thickness of the wood, many things. But, I made one and then I've looked for plants to how to do it. And I realized, oh, I've done this wrong. I've done this wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all a learning curve. But I think you, because you, you tried to do it yourself before just following plans, you probably learned things at a much quicker rate than if you were just following plans. Because anybody can follow plans to a degree. But when you really, try and figure it out yourself without the plans you kind of strip everything apart and have to figure it out and and certainly go through a quicker learning process yeah 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 you need to you need to think it yeah and uh, well it wasn't too difficult i've always been working with wood so my my day job is i work in the countryside for an estate and i do a lot of carpentry and all of those things so I'm oh, nice. always working with my hands and building things. So that wasn't like a, a big challenge for me. Also because it wasn't great later. <laughs> but from that, I started just trying to make them better and better and better. And until now. Yeah. No, Mateus, think you can make an instrument? If I can build an instrument? Do you think you could do it? Yeah. I, th- no, I <laughs> the silence because I just don't think I could do. I just don't. I, I mean, I, 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 I think it would take some time for me because I mean, I am mostly just a idle scholar. <laughs> but I, I have done things with wood before and other um, materials. So uh, I actually I have a carving project. Uh, from a living room that that 
that I'm hoping to get the time to actually do at some point. And when I do, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, finding time. Yeah, time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you give me a little thin rod of metal, I probably could make a triangle. There you go. That's a start. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I <laughs> figure that one out. Do you know it'd have to be in tune? Yeah. <laughs> do they have tunes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't, I couldn't make strangling. <laughs> I thought they all just had sounds. I don't know. Yeah, that's, no. that's well, maybe sounds silly, but that's all the thing. When you make an instrument and you want them, just give them that extra little touch, you even thickness the wood to a certain tuning before you glue it. I mean, you're uh, shaping a soundboard and you top it with a, another piece of wood and see what note that piece of wood is giving you. So ideally, if your instrument is going to be tuning C or D, where you want the soundboard tuning the same one, it doesn't matter if it's not, but it's kind of giving it that extra, extra bit. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I'm going to be honest. No chance. No, not a clue. When I was trying to set the, the studio, up, I was watching some videos about how to do the uh, the sound foam panels and things, and they were talking about, I can't remember the word for it. Is it reverb? Yeah. So it was like, talk, reverb, like go and clap in the room and see what you can hear. And I was just stood in the room clapping, and I had no fucking clue what I was listening <laughs> for. Anybody walking past the window would have thought I was a little bit special because I was just stood there <laughs> clapping and I was I was listening. I was really trying to listen, but I was just like, I can just hear myself clapping. I am not. I just did not understand what this. And he was like, you know, listen to it bouncing off the walls, and then when you put something there, it'll sound different. I'm like, no, it sounds exactly the same to me, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, visit one thing I'm interested in is how many people make the instruments that that you make. I can't imagine there's many of you out there. It's not many, but they they're growing and growing, really. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a bigger demand now, obviously, mm -hmm. because it's getting more known. So people is wanting them, and you have people. Well, I mean, in the UK, maybe that I know are around four people, mm -hmm. but it's not a lot. You know, four. No. It's like four people. Yeah, absolutely. It's not. That's not many. I see. Because they look so cool as well. I would love something like that, but I would never be able to play it. But I would just—it's something that I would like to buy, to have, to display. Because I just think they look really good, and hopefully, someone that could play it would be able to come around one day and serenade me. I don't know. It depends on how good are you at playing instruments. Terrible, to be honest. Is is a tricky instrument to begin with, especially for the bow. No, I, there's no way that that I could do it. Um, I know you said you, you wanted to to play a little bit of, of one of your, your instruments. Yeah, we can do like a little play at the end if you guys are okay with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I always get get lost when people do that. I just... I have, I have it here ready to play in it, so... Okay. Nice. <laughs> I, I assume that's one that you made. Yeah. One of the things about making instruments, I... I really cannot see myself playing someone else's instrument. <laughs> there, there's a sentence I wasn't expecting to hear today. I don't know. It's the same with 
drums and do you is it mainly just the stringed instruments that you make or do you do drums? I, make drum, I make drums as well yeah like frame drums mm -hmm. see that yeah oh, we're gonna have to talk after this we have to pick up some some bits because um the little hand drums are always really cool again i couldn't do anything with it but i could look at it yeah they are i mean you can beat it it will sound it will give you boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess i could just hear yeah. but it, it would make a nice addition just to uh sit next to me i think yeah i i don't know how my music would be if i wasn't making instruments oh do you think that it, it the you making the instruments has a lot of, um, I guess, inspiration to the music that you make. Yeah, yeah. And also, when I'm when I'm making an instrument, I I think how it's gonna sound, how it's gonna be, what I want to play with it, and well, this instrument that I have here with me is just recently finished, and I made it because I wanted to play one song I had in my head with it. That's. <laughs> I, I I must whenever we have musicians on, I I always must sound like such an idiot because for me music is just something that I it's just above my head. I don't I just don't get it, and I, I have such appreciation for people that are musically gifted that I just I'm almost in awe, especially when when people say, you know, I, I had a song in my head and I made an instrument to. To, to to be able to play the song that is that just sounds insane to me, but I, I'm glad that people exist that can do that. Those those things happen when I'm in my workshop very late, and I might have a smoke and <laughs> start spinning. <laughs> yeah, well, wherever the inspiration comes from, I guess as well when you're when you're there making making something, you I assume it's very similar to when I when I'm carving horns or working on a piece like that, that you just get lost in, it's almost a form of meditation because you just get lost in the, the creative process. And I'm going to tell you, you do a lot, you've been getting into drawing a lot more and you mm. just become. But it's the same. It's the same when, you know, you're, you're working on some wood or something like that. Like, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I it's love that it. meditative state where you, you're kind of not having to think about anything, even though you, you work on something you have to pay attention to, you almost become in a flow state where it's, it's, you're on autopilot and then your mind starts to wander to these different ideas. I have all my best ideas when I'm carving the most complex horns I really should be paying attention to. And I assume that's probably very similar to you, Vissi, when you're working on a, on an instrument, you then start having all these ideas of songs that you want to write music in your head. Yeah, yeah. And also, I don't know about well, the horns, but at least wood, the smells of the wood is, is also a big part of, I don't know, kind of transports me somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, it's not the same for horn, I promise yeah. you. Because that fucking stinks. Yeah, <laughs> that but, takes me right out of the meditative state. But with wood, uh, each kind of wood smells different, mm -hmm. you know. And it's maybe me that I'm a very strange person that I sometimes choose the woods I want to use for my instruments for how they smell and how. I mean, no, that, it's it's an organic material, so I think we do we have a. A connection to it and 
on some level for for everything like that and if you're going to be working with it you I mean you want it to smell nice I guess yeah yeah but I I mean I connect with the woods yeah some some of them smell bitter some of them sweet I love I love cedar for for my sound sports because it has like a very characteristic smell and also reminds me to my childhood mm-hmm. and things I don't know it's Mm. little things yeah no I, I mean smells transport people back you know you can be walking down the street and smell something and it brings a, a memory back that from 20 years ago it's it's a powerful thing yeah i think i me as a person i pay a lot of attention to those well little details the smells like certain looks or the touch, you know, when you touch something and it feels this way in your hands or that way, mm-hmm. kind of very, uh, I don't know, very sensitive or I don't know how it, you would describe it. Yeah, I, it's ergonomic. Is that the right word? Am I being smart there? Very, like, is ergonomic mean it's just very natural feeling? Is that right? Maybe I. I think ergonomic is like saved in a certain no. way. No, Shan, edit that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> I Shan just typed in the in the chat. No, so I I think I'm wrong. Forget that. It's not ergonomic. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I know what you mean. It it just feels good in the hand, I guess. Yeah. Um. I mean, in a sense, I guess you could say that you're right because. Uh, you know, I just looked up the definition of ergonomic and it says relating to or designed for efficiency and comfort in the working environment. So you're not totally off. Yeah, we're a team, me and you, Matthias. We stick together. There we go, yeah. <laughs> you got my back, I've got yours. <laughs> so VC, I, I, so you said to us before you, uh, uh, we, we, we began recording, you, you told us that uh, you descend from Eric Bloodaxe. I, I want to hear more about that. <laughs> oh, Vizzy, that was, you, that you, was a, a very big joke. <laughs> you, you trolled me earlier. We, uh, to, to, pull, to pull the curtains back a little bit, we, we tend to put a, a Facebook chat together with the guest, me, Matthias, and, and the guests have a little chat before about what we're going to talk about on the on the show. And I asked uh, Vizzy about his name, Bloodax, um, and I asked whether I was I was actually asking Mateus whether there was any saga literature to for Blood Axe, just so we can tie the show together, so we can get a little bit of mythology at the end. And Vizzy uh, said that he was a descendant of um, <laughs> the of the Bloodax, and I I fell for a hook line and sink. I was like, oh yeah, tell me more. What who? Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about that on the show. That'll be really interesting. So, actually, actually, I was born in Spain. <laughs> you, well, you got me. I went for it. But part of me, like, I almost messaged Mateus privately, like, this guy. No, he, he's not being serious, surely. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <but, laughs> the, the other thing is, I think, um, I did, you know, I didn't want to be disrespectful to you, but there are so many people within this community you see it day in day out who say you know i'm a descendant of oh yeah, yeah i'm a i'm a descendant of this and i'm a descendant of that you you actually get these people who genuinely do believe it 
So when you said it, I was like, you know, part of me was like, oh, I, I hope he's not being serious. <laughs> Thankfully, you weren't being, but I just, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> no, I wasn't being serious, but I know few people like that. And normally they're very annoying. Mm-hmm. So I, I, let's just, I want to just say a couple of things about it because it's actually quite interesting. When somebody from, say, for instance, Norway says that they descend from Eric Blood X, there is about a 60% chance that they actually do because of simple statistics. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not impossible. <laughs> well, it's also possible I'm related to Genghis Khan. For instance, yes. <laughs> actually quite impossible, quite possible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is it, like 13 million people at least that are related yeah. to Genghis Khan? <laughs> yeah, that was... Well, I probably won't say it. I don't know how people would take a joke, but I had a friend that made a very funny joke with Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe save it for after. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I will. <laughs> but Mateus, you were going to tell us a little bit about the the real blood axe. Yeah, so I mean, Eric Bloodax um, is the uh, the king who comes after Harold uh, Fairhair, right? Uh, so Harold Fairhair is the, the king who's credited with having unified all of Norway, um, and that may or may not be true. Now I'm going to get like crucified by all Norwegians. Um, <laughs> um, crucified is Christian I guess so <laughs> <laughs> but so so, so the thing is actually that that, that, that um, uh, Harold Feinherr uh, his, uh, his reign is is of course very uh, um, the sources to to, to his time uh, as king are, are, are very bad, very poor. We know that he did have some success in creating alliances and, and establishing some kind of coherency along the Norwegian coast. Um, but but it was it was more probably more a, a matter of like frail political alliances than than him becoming like a supreme king as as uh, the the history books would project it. And yeah, his uh, the 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 guy to inherit that situation was Eric Bloodaxe. And if I don't remember correctly, Eric Bloodaxe also spent a little bit of time being uh, the ruler of York. Uh, so um, so 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 he also had had that on his resume. Um, um, he dies in England after conquering it, as far as I remember. So, 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 so he was a bit of a um, a cool Viking king, and obviously the blood axe thing, you know, suggests exactly how much of a, a warrior he was as well. Um, I was going to say, do we know where he got where he got the name from? Uh, I can't remember. There's, there's a, there is some, uh, there's, there's definitely some legend about that. <laughs> oh, is that? I'm sure, um, but but I I'm I'm bad I'm, I'm bad with it right now for some reason. My my memory is failing me probably because I'm getting older. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean 
that's one of the good ones. If if you're getting a a nickname, then that's that's the one you want, right? I mean, it's pretty badass. Yeah, it's better than fine hair. So, did you say he he conquered pretty much all of England? No, no, Northumbria. Oh, just Northumbria. Yeah, yeah. With with like York as the center. Mm-hmm. That was that was the that was really like it, it was more than anything like northern England that the Scandinavians seem to be going for in general during the Viking Age. Like so, better up here. Right? It's <laughs> much, much better up here. You don't want to go down south. It's too hot down there, right? They have palm trees in southern England, don't they? It's, it's too posh and <laughs> well, to be honest, I live in South England and I don't think it's very cold around here at all. It is. It is. It is a lot warmer when you go down south. Me, me being uh, from Spain, being born in Spain, people always think, "Oh, you move to the UK, you're gonna freeze. It's gonna be so cold." Actually, it's way warmer here than in my hometown in Spain. Oh, really? Where I used to live? Yeah, up in the mountains. In and I mean, this weather is very mild. It's more wet, but it's very mild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think I've been cold, like in being very, very cold here, never. No, I think we, we, we spoke about this, was it last week, how we just don't seem to get snow anymore over here. And no. If we do, it's, it's maybe around Easter time, it's it's a little bit. It's not it's not too, but I say it's wet, but it's not. It's not too yeah. cold. People think I'm crazy when I say one of the very few things I miss from Spain is the snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't we don't get enough here anymore. It used to be it used to be pretty good. And Mateus, I'm sure you are getting some probably right now. Oh yeah, it actually snowed earlier today, but it's already melted away again because the sun is so hot. I think that's similar to what happened where I used to live in Spain. Yeah. It's quite high in, in altitude. So in the summer, the sun burns you a lot. And in the winter, it's really cold. Yeah. I, mean, that, I really like it, actually. I like this. this, uh, this um, it's quite these extreme. Various streams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you will get days like that here in Colorado in January, where it's like 20 degrees plus. And then next week it's going to be minus uh, five or minus ten or something yeah. like that. And when is when is the mushroom season in there? The mushroom season is because um, one one's get frozen. Yeah, uh, so I'm 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 so bad at that. the the Russians in my department always ask me if I'm making mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at like uh, I I think the mushroom season is is uh, from is it from May or something like that? But I'm not sure. Okay, so it's more like a spring season. I think so, yeah. but I'm not I'm not I don't trust my word on it. <laughs> yeah, here here we have it now. It's kind of the. The mushroom oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it's got to be much later than me. I'm, uh, I'm, I might just be rambling because I'm, I don't know much about mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. I like mushrooms. This was my way to lead the conversation into how do you think the the mushrooms or 
hallucinogenic effect affected the Viking culture. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I doubt that they were eating the the amanita uh, mushroom. Um, do you, I do. do you, huh? I do. I you, take you, it. You, I you take, take it, it sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I doubt that they did because originally the the uh, the, the the idea that Vikings were were doing that is is something that comes through a uh, uh, a confusion from um, from from uh, a, um, Russian uh, ethnologists um, looking at what what has been happening in eastern Siberia and then that has sort of like for some weird reason been trans transposed to Vikings um, but um, and this I, I wasn't it Dan, wasn't that um, um, uh, Roderick who uh, who told us about that in the episode about the Bersagir? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, but well, when we ask ourselves, like, what kind of like psychotropic mushrooms would Vikings have like easy access to? So the small well, psilocybin, mushrooms, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, they, but I, I mean, how taking those substances would affect? Because, yeah, I imagine some salmons or some kind of pseudo practitioners would take them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and that, that's, that, that's probably likely. Um, definitely. Uh, just like, you know, other kinds of like mind altering uh, drugs, drugs or compounds. Like we found uh, at least one instance of, of, uh, marijuana in 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 one person's possession in in a grave in in, in Sweden. We have um, hembane in in other graves. Uh, so they we know that they they use something uh, to 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 change their state of mind, right? And of course, also I mean, all the literature about uh, alcohol uh, also points in that direction. So, so this 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 is a fairly certain thing that they definitely did use mind altering drugs. But and I think I think it was more common than just taking once every now and again. Mm. I think it would be more, yeah, definitely more common, more often, especially thinking about uh, what you say about the uh, the warriors taking the mushrooms before going to war. The, Berserkers, really, if you take just mushrooms without being used to them and used to the effects and go to war, it would be your death sentence, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if that was part of, of some kind of war ritual, then you would definitely need to, like, train for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think that should be more common. And yeah, I think those substances can enhance your abilities with the right training and well, the right adaptation from your body. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's not impossible. There are some warrior cultures that they've developed from taking drugs. I know the um, that's where we get the word assassin from, isn't it? It's from the Hashashin, which were the Middle Eastern assassins who 
I'm sure they would smoke hash and apparently would give them confidence to be able to uh, go out and assassinate people, I guess. So I know that you certainly, you know, there are groups who have definitely taken some sort of drugs to, uh, in some sort of like warlike capacity. But I think, I think weed's probably a little bit, I mean, I, I've always found that very strange, like, the because if you smell weed, you don't want to go out and fucking assassinate someone. <laughs> you just want to sit around. I want to sit, <laughs> sit down. You would, you would you would be surprised. Uh, I mean, I'm quite a lot into cannabis, and I like to learn. And well, I used to smoke, but mm, I was listening to an interview recently that saying that cannabis and other uh, psychotropic substances can only well, not only, but can accentuate your state of mind. So if you feel taking it, your confidence is going to go down and you're going to do everything wrong, you do it. Mm-hmm. But if you take it with confidence, kind of boost your natural performance. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, so is there, isn't there something about THC actually um in in a raw form being like making you a lot more aggressive than than you would think yes possible because with cannabis depending on the strain you take the effects are different Mm -hmm. and also with with the mushrooms that's why i think that that thing of take getting high on mushrooms and going to battle is probably not very true but it would be true taking mushrooms. Well, could be possible that they would take mushrooms to get to certain state of mind and get ready. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just made the mistake of, of trying to Google that. And, and all I got was a lot of uh, American opinions on weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean... I, I I tried a THC gummy and I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> I mean, I was not ready for it. I um, <laughs> yeah, me, me and my friend had one, and we yeah. I, I always thought when people were like, oh yeah, it's like time stopped, or they feel like I'm gonna die. I'm like, how can you ever feel like that on weed? How? Fuck me, I felt like that. I was in my own head thinking. Maybe I need to tell someone because I'm gonna die. <laughs> was so I don't know how anybody could, could could get into that state and then want to fight because I just yeah. wanted to fucking kill. Them. Do, do you know it's a it's a well it's like a tournament is uh, stoned uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, wow, <laughs> it's very common in in BJJ to uh, smoke a little bit before. I think it's like to help relax and as you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I went into the deep end. <laughs> I, yeah, it was uh, it wasn't fun, put it that way. Well, but my mm, the point of this, it wasn't to do apology of the drugs. It was more like uh, in other cultures, like uh, Southern American tribes or North American tribes, they they used like peyote or ayahuasca. And mm. it has been quite important in 
in maintaining their their culture and their traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how we would have been in in Nordic culture in Viking times? Yeah. No. It's a it's a it's a good question, and um, I'm I'm sure that. It was used. Uh, some some psychotropics were used in in, in rituals uh, um, of various kinds. Um, I I don't know much about whether it was used by by warriors um, f- specifically for going into battle, but but I'm sure in in like uh, various kinds of rituals that take place in you know the 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 warrior's hall when they're sitting there and and the leader is 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 going to convince them to go into battle that's probably where you would see uh people taking something right because we know we know that they had these um these uh these uh, uh, really spectacular uh rituals where the uh the chieftain whatever we want to call him earl yal it's what they're called in Scandinavian, right? They would uh, take on the persona of Odin, right? And and um, you know recite this uh, poetic knowledge um, in 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 this uh, setting that would be very impressive, I'm sure, for you know a broad, uh, of, of of an Iron Age warrior. So so that's that's where I could see these. Uh, intoxicating compounds being used of various kinds of course just drinking alcohol would be would be a, a primary thing but this is probably also where you would find the use of those uh, mushrooms yeah and also the alcohol they were taking it didn't have uh, bubbles like it wasn't mm-hmm. fizzy like modern beer normally fizzy drinks don't mix very well with mushrooms Mm. <laughs> I, I I don't know the the why behind it, but yeah, it's something I've read several times that if you want to do mushrooms, you need to do with a flat drink. Yeah, the closest they would get to carbonated uh, drinks would be whatever little bubbly uh, leftovers there would be from f- the fermentation process. Yeah, Mateus, just to go back to you, you talking about kind of in the in the hall before. I guess before well, I, I don't think you would even necessarily have to have any sort of drug because in that situation it's easy to get whipped up into into a frenzy. I think anybody who who played in any sports team can has, has probably experienced that, or you've you've seen on TV shows and, and maybe wondered why people act the way they do. But there is something very much about it in a in a in a sports capacity. You also get it in the it was what's the the Christian church where which a, one of them? There's a couple. <laughs> no, but there's the one way where you tend to get the pastor at the front, and it's very loud, and it's it's kind of healing. I've forgotten the, the the which one it is, but it's very much kind of that thrives on this idea of whipping people up into a frenzy and everybody in a, in a cult like scenario. And you do act very much differently. When I when I played rugby in, in teams, I'd get kind of up into a like say open to a friend is the best way to describe it and you just get get into it and act almost as a as a hive mind and uh mm-hmm. and just all shout and scream for no reason at all 
but it's just something that happens. Yeah, no, I mean, if if you believe in the group, right? That's 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 really what it it takes. Like belief in 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 that particular group that you're that you find yourself in at that moment, and then yeah, that can make people do a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Also, boost your confidence as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, without that, like you probably wouldn't do those things being on your own because you're not confident. It's really hard to hype yourself up on your own like that. (laughs) It is, yeah. Yeah, Like I said, the only thing, the only thing that I've got um, to compare to is rugby, which I guess is it's almost a sense of it's not it's not war, but you're going it's two teams opposing, and it's for you know it's a physical thing, and it does just. They say it does just kind of whip you up into something that that you want to go out and and you feel completely different. You you and, and it's insane to say that, that there was times when I was playing rugby that I would have um, probably saying I would die is is a bit of a, a stretch, but I would have put myself in serious harm's way, risking you know broken broken bones just just for the team, just to just to win a game, just to get over get over the line, just to. Get a couple of points on a board that don't really mean anything in the long run, but because you're you're in that scenario, you you're willing to kind of put yourself in these positions where you're going to get harmed. So you then have to compare that to what it might be when people are going to war, and it's only going to be a, a more heightened state of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, probably yeah. like in a one of those ancient battles mm-hmm. where you used to go to war, more like a team. Yeah. yeah, probably, probably not so much like a modern battle where each soldier is so far away from each other. And you, you, know. you see, you see the same or similar kinds of like co- ideas of community and feelings of community um, that 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 modern soldiers get too. I mean, there's the uh, there's a you can get a very close relationship between uh, people in your. Um, what do you call it? Platoon or detail or whatever unit. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you, become, you become brothers because mm-hmm. I guess you're watching out for you're watching out for each other's lives. And what's more important than that? Yeah, you know, if if that's not your brother, then then who is? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Let's let's wrap this one up because we have um, story time to to record after this with uh, Jonas. I've been waiting. Seems like forever for this to come back around. <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> no, no, he loves it. He fucking loves it. Vizzy, um, thank you very much for for joining us. Do you do you want to just give a shout out to where people can listen to your music, find you, to follow you on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they can find our music in main platforms: Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, well, all of those main ones. They can search for Say the Blood. I guess they will read it in the description. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my Instagram, VC Blood Axe, and the band Instagram, Say the Blood. <laughs> it's pretty easy. There we go. Nice and easy. Mateus, go on. What about you? Well, you can always find me on Instagram. That's really it. <laughs> that's uh, that, that's where I uh, I do my things. Nice and easy. Oh yeah, I I wanted to get your Instagram because I want to ask you to translate some runes for my next tattoo. 
<laughs> oh, he's on one today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. So I'll give you a call later. Brilliant. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. Um, like we like we mentioned, we're going to be recording the story time episode after this. Uh, so it's a bonus show that you get for supporters on Patreon, where we go through a different saga and now we have Jonas Lorenzo on board who does the narration and does a bunch of different voices. It, it's a really good time. Honestly, if, if you've been on the edge of deciding whether to support on Patreon, this should really push you over because it's it's a fun time for everyone. And I, I really look forward to doing them. Uh, yeah, so hop over to Patreon, forward slash Northern Anthology Podcast and, and check that out. And make sure you get a bonus episode each week, so it's either the story time of me and Mateus sitting down and watching an episode of Vikings where you can watch along with us and we'll discuss what we like, don't like, or just have a general chat and not even watch the program, which sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. Talk um, about which animals that you will fight. <laughs> <laughs> which animals they think we can beat up, which should be its own solo podcast, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you want to follow the show, it's Not A Mythology Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the places, um, also the website, northanthologypodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review so we can keep making our studios better. <laughs> there we go. Let's wrap it up. Vizzy, do you want to play us out? Yes, of course. I can do a little song to say goodbye to everyone. We um, just uh, a big shout to my bandmates and all the people who have supported me with music and everything. And thank you guys for having me here. Oh, thank, thank you. you for joining us. <laughs>